following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode of NFL History, Andrew and I take a look back at another player who played on both sides of the ball. This time, one of the greatest of all time, slinging Sammy Baugh. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Howdy, howdy, Andrew. What's going on, buddy? Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you, too. I'm doing good. You sound uh, as mad as always. Huh? I said you sound as mad as always. Mad or Matt? Matt. Like okay. you get like this, this down Matt voice. That's how I know you're having a bad week or something. I'm feeling okay today. Today was a okay. much better day. Today was a much better day. So I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's, that's, uh, it's not too shabby. After I pretty much said that you shouldn't be living yesterday when you were like <laughs> 1988 before I was born, better times. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, today was a little bit more uh, better. Getting So I've been reading, trying to get some self-help books, just mental um just i don't know like uh, to the listeners and and you know i andrew you and i have these conversations all the mm-hmm. time i just feel like i'm just spinning my tires in like mud like every day of my life it's weird it stinks it's uh oh it sucks so bad it really does like i i don't know i don't know what like my purpose is <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? It's almost like a midlife crisis. Like I wake up, I go to work, I pay bills, I podcast, and that's my day in life. And I just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to like, like, I wish I was further ahead in life or I wish I had more. I wish I had, I woke up every day and had like something to really, really look forward to. And I don't. Um, and it's been on my mind for a long time. And I don't know, it just, when I read a book or I get on a kick reading something, it helps change my perspective. So I ordered a a bunch of different books um, to help with that. So hopefully, you know, a little bit better today, a little bit better today. uh, It was after reading some of these books, but um, the one that uh, my good friend Dan Torres sent me was called the, uh, the war of art. And it's actually very good. Uh, creative stuff because when it comes to doing this podcast and the and the page, I get really, really like nervous, shy. I hate to put myself out there um, because there's like this voice in my head. It's like, oh, don't do that. You know, you're gonna get made fun of, or don't do that. You're gonna get ripped on, and 
And I, it, criticism is a very hard thing for me to take sometimes. Constructively is is okay. It's good when done well, like legitimate advice. But um, the internet is brutal. It's awful. And there's been many a times where I've posted something or shared something on whether it's my personal Facebook page, whether it's the two point page. And I've just, you know, I, I just been, I don't know, just left feeling like shit all the time. And it's, it's this, it, it's like this hesitancy built up inside of me where I'm just afraid to do anything because I don't want things. And it's just, it's made me a, a just a not fun person, a shell of myself. And, I don't know. It, it it comes and goes, but this has probably been the worst it's been. I just, I don't know. I thought I'd be a lot further in life, right? Like I thought I'd have kids by now and I, it's a whole nother conversation. And, you know, I, I thought I have how I just, I, I thought I have a bigger purpose and, and I don't know. I just kind of feel like I'm like everybody else. I think you have a wonderful purpose because without you, I'd be very bored. <laughs> Be very, very bored and when I, I have this wonderful thing of podcasting. So No, I know. And I you, appreciate you that, helping buddy. me out. You you have helped me out greatly in a mental state by doing that. Well, I'm glad I could. I'm glad I could. Um you have helped out tremendously with that too. I want you to know that. But I just I don't know. I just I just feel like there's more to life. I don't know. Like I'm not as adventurous as I once was. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I really don't have anything like I'm building. I mean, do I want a house someday? Yes. And uh, you know, I want a family. I want kids more than anything, but I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of existing right now. And it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Um, when you feel like you're just existing, you're just kind of here going through the motions and then you know what i mean like cool like the next cool thing i have planned to do is is my colts chargers game you know what i mean and that's four months down the way down the road it's a long time to you know be looking forward to stuff i just i don't know (laughs) it's hard it's 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 really hard to explain and paint into um you know put into words it's hard for me to explain to my, you know, just try to reason with myself and make things make sense. It's hard for a lot of people to understand mm-hmm. um, because I feel like for the most part, unless you're a celebrity, nobody cares if you're having mental struggles and stuff, which is a big deal. Everyone, you know, I, I see that all that kind of hypocrisy all the time. And uh, I mean, I guess the first step is admitting that I know something's not right. So, um. But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll find it someday. I'll find that purpose, sense of belonging someday. But that listeners probably don't don't care. As fucked up as it sounds, they probably they're here for an NFL history episode. Yeah. Um, so I won't go. I won't delve too many too much further into my own uh, into what I got. But um, but uh, yeah. So today we're talking about slinging slinging Sammy Baugh, who was one of the first. Like I would say aggressive forward passers, right? He's a really damn good. He's like one of the earliest artists of the forward pass. The rules were a lot different back when he first started playing ball too. What's that? The ball too. The football was different. It pretty much got like that, that watermelon ball almost. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. You know, and 
yeah, the rules, the w- rules weren't good. I can't remember when exactly they changed, but for a little while, the forward pass, it was incomplete. It would be interception. I know we've mentioned that several times in the show. Mm-hmm. Just a very different world. And Sammy Baugh was the first. Was he the first 3,000-yard passer? Almost. Oh, he almost was. It was close. I think Unitas was. I thought Unitas was four. No, that's <laughs> in professional football. That is uh, Joe Namath. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. I try to forget that one. Um, but I, anyways, <laughs> I figured when you were like, that's United. I th- thought that was Unitas. And I'm like, oh, here I we th- go. I th- <laughs> Denial Matt again. I know. I know. No, I think you uh, you're definitely right. But I mean, this dude was a, was an absolute stud. I'm excited to talk about him today, learn a bit about him. Um, this is Andrew's choice, so he's going to lead the way on this episode. But uh, yeah, a incredible, incredible career of a guy who played quarterback, punter, and safety professionally. So take it away, Andrew. That's crazy. And uh, Belichick sung his praises about that, calling him like pretty much if you were to combine Tom Brady, Ed Reed, and Brian Mormon into one player, which would make one that's, <laughs> that's a one scary player. Yes. <laughs> he probably met Burt Jones, though. <laughs> I know he loves him some Burt Jones. Oh, like the greatest video I've ever seen. But like you said, they're not here to here here to listen about Belichick. I'm talking about Mr. Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh was born March 17th, 1914, uh, near Temple, Texas. So we got a good old Texas boy here. Uh, second son of James, a railroad worker, and a mother named Lucy. His parents later divorced. His mother raised the th- uh, three children. When he was 16, he moved to Sweetwater, Texas, attended Sweetwater High School as the quarterback. And of his high school high school team, the Sweetwater Mustangs, I'm pretty sure they're still around. He would practice for hours, uh, uh, throwing a football through a swinging uh, tire. That's pretty cool. And also peach baskets, I heard, too. There's peach cool, baskets, huh? There is a cool video of him actually literally throwing balls through a peach basket. He looks like he's probably about five yards away. There's two guys holding it, and he's just boom, boom. No boom, shit. Boom. Oh, that's one heck of a way to practice. Bernie Kozar style. Mm. But he would... Ah, no, Bernie Kosar did it Sammy Boss style. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I got to go with this <laughs> with what I saw first. So, uh, <laughs> Ball would uh, practice punting more than throwing. Uh, however, like around this time that he was a kid, we talked about this before baseball is king. So he wanted to play baseball. He received a scholarship to play at Washington State University. But he hurt his knee, which led him to attend TCU, Texas Christian University. Uh, while at TCU, he threw for five hundred and he, oh, I'm sorry, he threw five hundred and eighty-seven passes in his three varsity seasons for thirty-nine touchdowns, which is like really good for back then. And it's okay. <laughs> he was named All-American. That's what they're throwing now for a season. I know. Uh, Ball was named All-American in 35 and 36, led TCU to two bowl games, 
Yeah, this is a definitely a, a run heavy era where yeah. a lot of the schemes and formations were based around, um, you know, they were based around rushing. Like they were legit set people up in some kind of like diamond formation and see how far they can get with the running back. That's how this is how archaic football was back then. It was a lot closer to rugby. I, I think I think back then there was a, it was it was closer to what rugby is today. Yeah. I haven't watched too much rugby personally, but it's more it, it was more halfback heavy where the halfback was more the leader of the offense. Right. Like the quarterback was there, but the quarterback would have to block, which you would never really ask your quarterback to do. And this is before the uh, T formation. So you're running shotguns on balances lines. I don't think the T formation came into play until I think about 43. Hmm. With, with the bears. Uh, uh, well, use of the NFL. Yeah. It was somewhere around in the forties. Cause that's okay. they got like Washington got dominated by the bears. Yeah, wasn't that like that seventy three nothing game or something like that? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was it was bad. Uh Baud did play. He ended up did playing baseball at TCU. He even it was actually during baseball he re earned the nickname Sling and Sammy. And he got that from a sports writer. He signed a contract with the St. Louis Cardinals and was sent to the minor leagues. He played for the Columbus Redbirds of Columbus and was converted to a shortstop from third base. He was sent to the International League for in Rochester, New York, for Go Red Wings. And he received a little playing time behind start, starting shortstop Marty Myron and was unhappy with his prospects, so he turned to football, which is <laughs> maybe Kyler Murray pulled a page out of Sammy Ball there, too. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it's 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 one of those tricky things where you kind of use the leverage, right? We talked about baseball's king in this era, mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, so – of course, of course, you want to try and leverage that. And listen, he didn't come in and get Red Grange money, right? That wasn't. He didn't. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay, not not the hundred. He he made good money. Not the hundred k. He made very good money for the time he, period, but um, he uh, he did not quite hit. Uh, you know, he never quite hit that red, those Red Grange numbers. But he was a little bit. The pay was a little bit more consistent. Again. He's getting thousands while other guys are getting a hundred, maybe two hundred a game. So well Grange also Grange also did the barnstorming tour, which by this point those were pretty archaic. Much yeah. yeah. As we it sounds so funny. It's 17 years into the NFL. As he was uh drafted in nineteen thirty seven, uh in the first round, sixth pick overall. By at that time, the Boston Redskins, but they just moved to Washington around the same time. And he signed a one-year contract for $8,000, making him the highest player on the team. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, – that's, that's a good payday. That's a good payday. So that, I don't know much how pro player – this is his quote. I didn't know how much pro players were making – 
I thought they were making good money, so I asked Mr. Marshall, the owner of Washington at that time, for $8,000. I finally got it, and I felt like a robber when I found out what Cliff Battles and some of the other good players on the team were making. I'll tell you what the highest price boy in Washington was getting the year before, not as half as much as $8,000. The three of them, Cliff Battles, Turk Edwards, and Wayne Minor, Minor got uh, peanuts, and all of them in, are in the Hall of Fame now. And he knows that he was getting, and he said, if I knew knew what they were getting, I never would have asked for $8,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good for him, though. Good for him. <laughs> It's funny because there's a video of him and he's, he's not, he's one of those guys where, you know, a lot of sometimes older players might get down on what guys are making today. He said that these guys make more money in like one game than I ever did my whole entire career. And he was like, and the reporter kind of was like, are you, are you upset by that? He's like, no, I'm not. I don't care. He's like, good for them. So he's the very, uh, down down to earth guy seems like it yeah uh during his rookie season ball played quarterback although he was officially the tailback or the halfback until 1944 like we said he played defensive back and punter sent an nfl record for completions with 91 out of 218 attempts and threw for a league high 1127 yards Man, my blood is boiling looking at those numbers I, right now. I know. <laughs> I know. I, that's all I can But think. I know. I know. I get. I get it. But deep I've, down, Mister Matt Stats, um, oh. being Matt Stats and all that, it's like, oh, <laughs> I wish I was. I wish I was good at like math to make a inflation calculator. You know, like you do. We do that with the money. Yeah. Just. Type in like 1,100, you know, whatever yards, uh, 1937 equals in today's passing yards and see, see if there was some way to like be able to like get an idea. But I'm guessing this is probably like a good 3,000 yards or so, maybe if I had to kind of do an adjustment. Well, you could probably look at some averages and such, but yeah, 91 and 218. 91 completions occurs probably every three, four games for a current quarterback. So, and you got to again, time period, the amount of games, stuff like that all comes into it. I mean, 218 attempts over a season, that's very low um, compared to today's numbers. So it just it goes to reinforce how different the era was. Yeah. Uh, led the Redskins to the NFC championship game against the Bears. Uh, where he finished 17 of 33 for 335. Does that make you feel a little bit better? And and had two second half touchdown passes. So he actually won a championship his first year. Which is really cool because, you know, to to hear that, you you never see rookies win championships uh, anymore, right? Well, I mean, rookie quarterbacks, I should say. There's such a learning curve when you go from college to the pros that it's almost impossible. I don't know if there's ever been uh, aside from Sammy Baugh, a rookie who has taken his team to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's really been a case in, in, in quite some time it would be something worth looking up. Yeah. Um, but this is also the start of a really cool, I mean, you get a rivalry here 
which is one that people don't really think about, but the Redskins and Bears battled quite a bit in those early days. You know, I, I look at Washington as one of those flagship classic franchises, much like Chicago, um, that it's like, man, when you, when you see them play, it's it's cool because the history and iconic, mm-hmm. but they, they just they're also teams that just haven't been able to figure it out in modern times, really. Obviously, um, Washington is a lot more accomplished in uh, – in the modern NFL era than, than the bears are right. I think the, I think Washington has three, four Super Bowls. Three, three. They've been to four. Been no, to they've f- been to five. They've been to five and won three. Right. You know, so a lot more accomplished than, than the bears, but uh, just, just classic teams, man, classic teams where there, there's a lot of history. Every time you see these two teams suit up against each other. Yeah. It's classic NFL. It's just the Bears still have the same owners, the same ownership family since they've started, which is pretty damn amazing. And then you just see Washington with their wackiness of now, and it kind of makes you sad. Oh, it does. <laughs> no, it makes Walker sad. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I know that it does very much so. Uh, his uh, 335 yards passing remained the most ever in a playoff game by a rookie quarterback until Russell Wilson broke it in 2012. So that's that shows you the impressiveness of this. Uh, as you talked about, they, there's a rivalry here. The Redskins and the Bears met up in three championships between 1943 or 1940 and 1943, 1940, the Bears recorded, this is it right here. This is the start of the T-formation. Recorded the most one lopsided victory, uh, beating Washington 73 to nothing, which is the most devastating one. After the game, Baugh asked what would happen if the Redskins' first drive had resulted in a touchdown. He shrugged and replied, what? The score would have been 73 to 7. <laughs> so he's a he's a very very <laughs> classic guy here no nonsense he i think this guy would be wonderful in today's nfl i i think so too i think he, you have uh you, you give ryan fitzpatrick a run for his uh money when it comes to entertaining uh press conferences <laughs> i think this is one of those guys that I know we've talked about this before, like the Twitter era and stuff like that, that we're now that we're living in social media. This is a guy that I w- would like to have seen some tweets from. There's a part of me that wants to start a, like a fake, a <laughs> fake, a, a fake Sammy Baugh Twitter account <laughs> or like one of these old players who just talk shit about the NFL. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but uh Yeah. I just feel like after that right there, I think that would have been an awesome tweet because he just admitted we we were going to lose. There was no way. A boss heyday would come during World War II, 1942. Ba and the Redskins won the Eastern Conference with a 10 and one record during the same seasons. The Bears went, uh, 11 and 0 and outscored their opponents uh, 376 to 84. And in the 1942 championship game, Baugh threw a touchdown pass and kept the Bears in their own territory with some strong punts, kicking an 85 yard quick kick 
and Washington won 14 to six. So there are no 72 Dolphins, those 42 Bears. Uh, <laughs> Bob would consider what would be his greatest performance ever is in 1943, which he led the league in completions, punting with an average of 45.9 yards and had 11 interceptions that year. That's pretty solid. Yeah. One of Ball's most memorable game single performance was against the Detroit Lions on November 19th of 1943, where he had four INTs and four touchdowns. Jameis Winston. <laughs> no, he 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 picked the ball off four times. Winston, oh, he picked it up. Oh, yeah, he picked it off four times and had four touchdowns. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a good balance. Jameis was not that great. Uh, he was uh, selected as an All Pro tailback that year. Redskins made the championship game, but lost to the Bears 41 to 21 during the game. Ball suffered a concussion, or as they would call it back then, got his bell rung while tackling Bears quarterback Sid Luckman and had to leave. That is one of the coolest sentences I ever came out of my mouth ever. Sammy Ball trying to tackle Sid Luckman. Yeah, that's pretty that, cool. That's really. It is quarterback in Washington football history. Trying to tackle the second greatest quarterback in Bears history. Hey, first. I know you're holding out for Mr. Cutler, but <laughs> uh, during 1945, Baugh did complete 128 passes out of 182. This this will get this will make you happy. His completion percentage was 70.33. I respect it. Okay which was an NFL record and remains the fourth best today behind Ken Anderson at 70.55 and 82. And then Drew Brees holds the next two uh, in 2009. He had 70.62 and in 2011 had 71.23. So you got that, that. Does that help you out with the stats? Yeah. Different era. Less games, easier to hire, have a higher completion percentage, but it's cool. <laughs> no, I love Sammy Bob. I'm just being a dick. And in there, he threw for 11 touchdowns and only four interceptions. The Redskins again won the Eastern Conference, but lost in the 1945 championship game against the. Here's 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 something I didn't think we'd really be reading on here, the Cleveland Rams. So there you That's a throwback. Yeah. The, the one point margin of victory came under scrutiny because of the safety. Now, this is the fun part. The safety that occurred early in the game, in the first quarter, the Redskins had the ball at their own five, dropping back in the end zone. Baugh threw to an open receiver, but the ball hit the goalpost, which we were talking about wacky rules at that time. Uh, which at that time, you know, the field goal posts around the goal line and it bounced back in the bounce back into the end zone and under rules, that was a safety. So thus gave the Rams a two nothing lead. <laughs> so that 
could you imagine that today? Your team loses because the quarterback throws a football and it hits the goalpost. And now it's a, and lands in the end zone. And now hey, it's a, rules are rules. I mean, I'd be pissed, but uh, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, this is where we now get the ball marshal rule because Sammy Ball and the owner of Washington, Mr. Marshall, were pretty upset by it. Uh, and that is when the forward pass strikes a goalpost is automatically ruled an incomplete pass, and that is the ball marshal rule. One of Ball's most memorable singles performances also came on a Sammy Ball Day of November 23rd of 1947 that the Washington, D.C. Touchdown Club honored him at Griffith Stadium and gave him a station wagon. That's that's I love the station wagon. Roger so, Staubach would have been yeah. very would have been very elated to uh to acquire that. Against the Chicago Cardinals, he passed for 355 yards and six touchdowns. That season the Redskins finished four and eight. Uh but ball had a career highs in completions with 210 attempts with here you go, Matt. Attempts with 354. His yards were 2,938, and he threw for 25 touchdown pass, leading the league in all four categories. That's pretty good. Uh, Ball played five more years, leading the league in completion percentage for a sixth and seventh time in 1948 and 1949. He retired in the 1952 season, his final game. 27 to 21 victory over Philadelphia at Griffin Stadium. He played seven minutes before retiring uh, to a standing ovation. So that is Mr. Baugh's career right there. Also, to he is in the inaugural class of the Football Hall of Fame and only him and George Hallis were voted in unanimously. I get that. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's, he's a, he paved the way. I mean, obviously not as a two-way player, but, or three-way player technically, but, um, you know, just, just pushing forward that, the, the forward pass game, which was, I mean, that's the most exciting play, right? The pass everybody, yeah. you go to a game and, um, uh, you go to a game and you see a big pass and everybody stands up and they want to see where it lands. It's, it's like one of the most surreal experiences. And, you know, if if a guy like Sammy Bott doesn't help popularize that, shit, the sport and I might not be here first and foremost. And secondly, uh, you know, who, who really, who would have? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure somebody would have down the road, but um, Bob made it cool. It's a shame that he's not more fondly remembered. Yeah, feel unless you're like a Super Bowl era guy, you're not as well remembered. He also did have, he also did take up acting in 1941. He had a 12 week serial as a, a Texas Ranger known as Tom King. Serial was called King of the Texas Rangers, and he mm. made $6,400 for that. He's also the first ever head coach. For the New York Titans slash Jets. 
He's the first one? He is the first one. He didn't last very long, did he? Uh, Two seasons. I don't think he was... He didn't like the city. That was one of his things in a way. He didn't like the city. Yeah, when you're a Texas dude, New York is not really your cup of tea. New York City is no. not really your cup of tea. Even back then, um, it is rough. He did. It looks like he did coach again, though. He did a couple college, and uh, he coached the Oilers for a year, too. Uh, I think he just... He, he just wanted to go home to his ranch. It's not for everybody. Coaching's yeah. not for everybody. I, I think that has to be acknowledged um, as well. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, wow, Peyton Manning would be a great coach or Tom Brady or all these like big time legends. But uh, it's 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 a different animal. It's a different animal. Completely different animal. That? Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the great head coaches of our era, you know, didn't really play it professionally. You know, or not at a very high level. Like Bill Belichick is one of the greatest football minds of all time. Uh, what's his NFL player history? There is none. Yeah. Um, Andy Reid, to my understanding, there is no, you know, big time, b- big time player history. It's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like the old uh, adage: um, those who can't play teach or those who can't do teach or something like that it's almost like that in an instant instance but um it's such a weird thing too it is really such a weird thing that it never like that rarely ever happens anymore have you ever seen i mean look at sean mcveigh look at dude's 30 something years old he had no nfl career he's been a coach his entire like for most of his adult life yeah but you know what about sean mcveigh that he's got on his resume what's that he was voted the best high school player in Georgia over Calvin Johnson. That'll do it. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> that's that's the craziest thing. Have you ever seen the replacements? Or like uh, they do it in a lot of football films where like the quarterback would like leave them unblocked and then they throw the ball at them. Well, Sammy Ball did that. <laughs> he said it. This is no face mask. Like we said, rules are different. It's rougher. It's not. It's very intense, much more intense than what it is today. You can do a lot more stuff. And he said a guy kept on coming in with his arms up, but he would put his arms up when he put his arms up. He would like throw a fist. Right. So he kept on like knocking him in the mouth, knocking him in the mouth. So he told his lineman, he was like, listen, just let him in. (laughs) let him in and he said he threw the ball and it hit him you know right between the running lights you know right between the eyes and he said it must have shut off like the blood to his brain or something because the guy got like knocked out (laughs) he goes he goes it scared me (laughs) that's that's what throwing through tires in bread baskets or whatever the hell that's what it'll do to you um they give you that ability so but the guy was okay the guy was okay, but he pretty much just like knocked him out. And I love what he says too. This is such like a hardcore Deion Sanders thing when he says, when you're on the field, you have to feel like you're the best son of a bitch out there. I can't, that's, that's probably, I think that's how every player should be. I agree. And this guy was pretty much probably the best player every single time he played. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, you think about 30s and 40s NFL, there's a couple names that seem to pop up, but that's a very weird, like strange time for, for the NFL, right? It, everybody remembers the, the firsts, the originals, but the 30s and 40s are really when it's starting to, I mean, the, at this point, a lot of teams have folded. A lot of the legacy teams that we look back on today, they're being formed or they're, they're cementing their legacy um, mm-hmm. right now as, as, you know, stable players. I mean, think back to all those original teams, right? The 14 original uh, NFL teams. And by the time that Sammy ball comes into play, a lot of them are gone, right? Buffalo, Dayton, uh, Rochester, like Tonawanda, Tonawanda. Uh, but, but a lot of those teams have kind of gone wayward and, and, and they're, they're leaving um, right around the, the end of the thirties, the Yankees, the Cincinnati reds and all these other like baseball team, ripoff football teams yeah. are, are, are going away. And so right there, it's, it, it, it's tough because there's a lot of uncertainty as a fan right? Watching the sport that you may enjoy. I don't know if people loved it back then, loved watching it, but that you enjoy and all these teams are folding. It's not a very reassuring thing to, to see that happen and invest your time. And I think that's why there's very few, there's seldom any like big time NFL legends really remembered from this time period. And uh, you know, because, because of that, but Sammy Boz is probably the one that sticks out the most. Yeah, I was just looking at the teams, say it's like 1937, his rookie year. I mean, there's names. You got Washington, the Giants, the Pittsburgh Pirates, which are now the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Brooklyn Dodgers, not even there, uh, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Cardinals, and the Cleveland Rams. Right. And not um, the Brooklyn Dodgers are not even there. And if you just go through, you just see so much changing over the years. Yeah, there's only a handful, like, I mean, less than a handful of big market teams still at this point. You know, that that's a big thing, too, is, right, you probably got, Was- well, you got Washington, you got New York City with the Giants, you got Chicago, which is a big team, right? The Giants came out around this time. Yeah, the Giants. Um, Giants were around at this time. You got, uh, I mean, Jesus, who else? Green Bay. Green Bay is not a big, big market though. That's a there's, small market. Yeah, they're still they're probably the still the best small market team there is. If oh you yeah. Think about it that what what they are, but I mean the expansion that's happened over the years. Right. I think the last NFL team was to fold was 1953. So. Yeah, it's been a little while, but um, but yeah. So Sammy Bob represented that those dark times, I guess, when the NFL, the future of the NFL was uncertain. Sammy Baugh was a, uh, you know, he he made it, he brought the excitement. He was uh, kind of like the '85 Bears as far like remember when at all weren't you weren't really conscious then. No, but in those mid '80s, people were like, oh, the, is the NFL losing their touch? That's when the no fun league stuff happened. Then the 85 Bears came about and changed that stuff. And uh, Sammy Baugh can be kind of looked at in the same light um, for those 19, the 1930s and 40s of NFL, which, you know, that was those are some dark times. He had World War II on the cusp and a lot of players going up and leaving, uh, teams which merging. teams merging, which all hurt the NFL at that time. 
uh, you know, people not being able to field teams was it was it hurt. It hurt the it hurt the National Football League. But then he had a face of uh, you know a, a face like Sammy Baugh, who could um, you know who can kind of do that. Yeah, because like baseball too, forties. This is like the heyday of baseball, right? Sammy Baugh is big, but in the sports world, is he as big as a Ted Williams or a Joe DiMaggio? No, or even in the like the late thirties, Lou Gehrig and stuff like that. He's nowhere. Sammy Baugh at this time is the equivalent of what people try to tell me like, uh, Oh God, this is going to come off so bad. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Uh, Hit the trigger button. Hit the trigger button. Um, when people tell me, you don't know about this. So-and-so this great WNBA player. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. What? What did you think I, I was gonna say? Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought it was gonna be a Bo Jackson. Not no, 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 no. Hell no, no, not this time. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, no, like, I, I, it's not that popular. <laughs> I think this is him and Sig Luckman are really the only people from the forties I could really think of. Maybe other than like Don Hudson. Yeah, and it's. It, and it's not like these guys were marketable, like 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 a Red Grange or what we see today. Like Red Grange was marketable as hell. Yeah, he was a person. He was an extreme personality. Sammy Baugh, from what I've understood, from what I've read, um, obviously very talented player, but I can't even say dry personality. But he isn't like a, he doesn't feel like a super marketable like player. You know what I mean? Like. How do I explain? Like an Eli Manning. Eli Manning playing years, not the most marketable of all players. I I think they wanted to market him because there's planes that say like slinging Sammy Ball on the side for World War II and stuff like that. But yeah, I think he just wanted to play football and just retire and go back to Texas. Yeah. Like that's the vibe that 100% I get out of him. Yeah, that's what I get too. He doesn't want anything else he wants to make his money go home and call it a day just treat football as a game oh, yeah and it's not your end of your life right there right oh yeah so we see it. it's it's still a common practice you see a lot of teams that have really talented players that just i don't know either they don't want to be marketed or they're just they're not marketable personalities I don't know. Marketing is everything, but um, there it is. Slinging Sammy Baugh. Our episode is now complete. Um, I th- who, I forgot who I said I wanted to do my second episode on. We did Red Grange. We did Grange? There was somebody else in the early days. Oh, with, it was Thorpe. Oh, Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe. That's who we're doing next week. Um, we're going to cover a little bit of everything. Is uh, We're going to try our best to focus on the football, but we'll touch on everything because this dude is an extraordinary athlete. Um, and much like a Red Grange, was one of the early faces of the National Football League. So, um, so we'll take a look at that. But, Andrew, my man, thank you very much. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow, fantasy football Sunday college football as well as our live fantasy football draft and uh yeah plenty more stuff to check out make sure you uh give us a like subscribe rate us help us out we appreciate it 
That is it for today. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is good. Yeah.